Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. Uh, happy July 3rd, right? And 4th. I hope you guys are, have incredible plans as we just celebrate Independence Day for uh, America, so I'm excited. Uh, those that are at some campsite somewhere watching online, you get full credit. We love you and uh, we are glad you're here. Now they chuckled at you just a little bit so you know, so I'll have to talk to them about that credit. Maybe it's three quarters credit. Anyway, glad you're with us online, glad you're here. Uh, we're continuing our series um, on uh, financial uh, freedom and I don't want the ushers to stand, so raise your hand if you need a Bible. And then there's passing out, I wanna talk about baptism. Uh, each summer, uh, our church, you know, reserves a flowing lake campground and we take it over and it's a lot of fun. Uh, on that Saturday, which is uh, July 16th, um, we have a worship service and then we have baptisms in the lake. And so I want to encourage two things. One is you attend. Plan, if you don't camp, um, then you, and I've heard there's a camp, site available, so one more available if you want to camp there. Uh, you come on Saturday and just be with your church family, you know, bring some food, hang out. It's just, it's always incredible. Just uh, um, watch the kids play, eat food, barbecue, and just fellowship with one another. And then we have a worship service in the park. And I love this, the testimony that that is. We always kind of go off the side, but we're a big group. And so it's incredible. We just praise the Lord and stuff. And you just see everyone watching and looking. It's kind of cool. We've had people join us. And then we walk down to the water's edge and we uh, perform baptisms. And remember, baptism is commanded by God. Commands us to be baptized, to give a testimony, a witness of who we stand with and for. And that's Jesus Christ. And so if you haven't been baptized, I want to encourage you, maybe the lake's the best time. Come meet with one of the pastors, talk to us. We'd love to tell you about baptism and what it is. Uh, if you're just uncertain, you know, there's, you know, sprinkled as a child or baptized and sometimes you barely remember or whatever, come talk to us. We'd love to talk to you about baptism. If you're online, just put it in the chat line, say, hey, I, I, I want to know more. And one of our hosts online will make sure we get in contact with you, okay? Um, so, financial freedom, we're talking about that. Uh, and, and really what we're saying in this time of uncertain finances, and if you're like me, as I read the papers, it is continuing, right? And just kind of shaking and getting um, more uncertain. But there's one thing that is certain over all of time, and that's God. And so in these uncertain times, financially, we look to the certainty of God. And it's very clear in scripture what God has for us is for us to be financially free. And so we've been talking about that, but there's a problem, a big problem, and that's our heart, right? It's our heart that gets in the way of that. Matthew 6, 21 says this is, uh, for where your treasures are, your finances, um, there also will your heart be. And so this is not a message about money, about finances, even though that's in the language, right? It really is a message about our hearts, our hearts, and do they belong to the Lord? Do we trust him fully? So in review, what we've done is we uh, started this series and talked about the big picture, that everything belongs to God, and we are called to steward that which he entrusts us. Uh, and, it, it, it's, and we treat it like a gift. 
You know, it's not ours, it's his. And so we receive it with grateful hearts, thankful hearts, and with the responsibility uh, that it takes when you're giving something. And then we looked at snares. Uh, you know, Pastor Pat did a great job, looked at First Timothy, all the snares that money is. It's, you know, idolatry. Um, uh, let me see if I can remember here. Uh, lust, debt, uh, and discontentment. Yeah. Kidding. All these things. I'm surprised. I, yeah, he did a good <laughs> I job. I passed the test, too. Yeah, you passed the test. I should have tested you, right? <laughs> yeah, that will be good. Um, and these things become these snares to us, and they grab us, our heart, and really drag us away from, from the Lord. Um, and so in that, as we look at these things, today we want to get real practical. Uh, and start, you know, because this is our last in this series, and really talk about, you know, how, how, how do we handle money? Because people come up to me, okay, Scott, that's good. I, I got the heart of that, but how do I do that? So we're hoping to answer that. And so I want to pray just, you know, I know Pat prayed. I just want to pray for us uh, as we come up. You know, and you can see I got my brothers uh, as my wingmen, but I did this intentionally. You know, we've team preached this because I want this to be more of a conversation than preaching at you. Uh, you know this, if you have financial trouble, I don't know what you call it at your home, but family meetings, right? And you get at the table and guess what? Here we go, All right? We gotta talk about this. Uh, and that's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna sit down and have a conversation. Uh, so in that, I'd like to pray and then let's jump into this. Will you pray with me? Father God, will you open our hearts and our mind to your word, what you have to say to us? Uh, we trust you as we sang earlier. Uh, it's your goodness that we're running after. Uh, and so God, would you uh, collectively, uh, individually, draw us to you so that we would be a church that would make you proud. And we just give this time to you and we pray it in the name of Jesus, amen. So turn to Malachi 3. Uh, I wanna set this up. So as we start talking practically of, of finances, the first thing, uh, and I take this out of Matthew chapter six, Okay, and you know this verse well. Uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Uh, what we have to do is put God first. So the thing you have to do in anything, finances included, is make a decision. And I call it making a covenant. An agreement is I'm gonna put God first over everything and my finances as well. And I call it a stake in the ground. And so I wanna invite you to put a stake in the ground. God first. And really it's going back to Genesis 1-1, right? In the beginning, what? Was God. And that really is a foundation of everything for us. You know, Matthew 6 is really just uh, repeating that information. So it's making a decision, putting a stake in the ground, and then the discipline to live that out. And there's where we trip up. Most of you would say, oh yeah, put God first. Got it, got it, got it. And you're like me, the next decision, Scott first. <laughs> Scott and God. Or, you know, you start kind of wrestling with this. So it begins with putting God first. And then I want to usher us into what I call God's formula for financial freedom. And the constants in this formula are giving, saving, and enjoying so it's giving, savings, and enjoying. And we're gonna walk through each one of those. So my good friend is gonna talk about giving. We're, yeah, because we don't wanna talk, but we're afraid. <laughs> good morning, church. My name's Damian. I'm the online and outreach pastor here. So I wanna say good morning to the online fam. Good to see y'all today. You came trickling in, but you're here. And I'm so glad to see you. So the first part, we're gonna dive right in. The first part of God's formula for financial uh, freedom 
is giving, as he just shared. And you're going to hear that word and you're going to go, no duh. All right, so let's get a little more specific. It is giving to um, release. Giving to release. And you might be asking, to release what? And that's going to be the question of the day right there. And we're going to answer that. Scott told you to turn to Malachi chapter 3. I hope you have. We're going to be starting at verse 7. And if you're turning there, I'm just going to give you just one of the quickest uh, overviews of the book of Malachi you will ever hear. God is speaking to Israel through his servant Malachi, who is, it actually states that he is an oracle of God or a messenger, okay? And God is not happy with Israel because he's speaking to the things they're doing that are not good. And then in this conversational kind of monologue, God tells Israel, here's what you've said to me, okay? And, and, you know, it, it's usually in the form of a question. All right, so Lord, you said we're doing this. Well, well, when did we do that? How did we do that? And then God says, you did it when you did this. All right? So that's the pattern you see in the book of Malachi. Let's start with verse 7 in chapter 3. The Lord says, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, and this is what the people have responded to God, how shall we return? And the Lord says, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. And the people say, but you say, how have we robbed you? And the Lord says, in your tithes and contributions. Hmm. In your tithes and contributions is how we're robbing God. Now, what is so beautiful about our God and so gracious about him is that he never leaves us without hope and he never leaves us without a path back to him. So let's keep reading, church, in verse 9. The Lord says, you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me. The whole nation of you. So that's just to make sure that there's anybody in Israel who thinks I'm off the hook. You're not. And then in verse 10, and you can read this on the screen with me, it says this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Church, how about that for a promise? Amen? Mm, try that again. Amen? Amen? See, that's what the Lord said. That wasn't Damien. That was what God said. He said, put me to the test. You remember in Psalm 89, just a couple weeks ago, we talked about where David wrote, he who owns the heavens and the earth and everything within it, that's the same God who says, put me to the test and see if I won't pour out a blessing for you until there is no more need. The first part of God's formula for financial freedom is giving to release. To release what? Here's the two things that it gives to us to release. The first one is our trust in him. It is where we trust ourselves. If you want to write that in, it's our trust. We're trusting ourselves to this God. And then the second thing is that we begin to enter into that space of this test that God says, test me with this, and then he will release his blessing upon us. 
Church, I just want to take a few moments and I just want to share with you my story real quickly. Um, I, I asked Scott if I had permission to go ahead and do this. He said yes. I checked with another brother who he said, you need to share this. And then most importantly, I checked in with my wife because this includes her. And she said yes, but make sure you get it right, okay? All right. 20 years ago, our church, North Shore, we were going through a book called the ABCs of Financial Success. The pastor who wrote it, very, very passionate about tithing, giving, and getting out of debt unapologetically passionate about it. He came out here, he talked to us, whole church goes through the book, lots of conversations are going on. And, you know, of course, there was a conversation happening in my home between my bride and I. And as we're going through this, she read the book, I read the book. One day she says to me, well, at least I'm thankful that we give a full tithe. Now, after she made that statement, she looked at my face and realized we weren't on the same page anymore. And she goes, well, honey, we do give a full tithe, right? And I said, well, on average, we give about 6 to 7% each time. Now, that wasn't the answer she was looking for. And the conversations that happened over the next three weeks, you realize how much that was not the answer she was looking for. We went back and we went forth and it was bumpy. And finally, we got to the point where she just said, you know what? I don't care about how much income we have, and I don't care about what our bills are. This is a matter of faith. Mm. So church, I can remember the Sunday when I was sitting back in that section back there, right about where you are, Brandon. So I'm not putting you on the spot, brother. Just want you to know. That's about where I was. I remember seeing the offering bag coming down the row. I remember taking the check that I had filled out and I put it in the bag. I let the bag go to the person sitting next to me. And as I let go of it, something screamed inside me, what have you just done? Because I knew that I had just written a check, put it in the bag and given it to the Lord for an amount that was not going to be covered by what was sitting in our bank account. And I thought, oh my gosh, I could just feel the guilt and the shame. I can just see the phone calls. Let me forward you to a week later. It's a beautiful Sunday, I'm, I'm outside after the worship is done, just kind of getting some air. A sister and I are having a conversation, a very, very dear friend. It's tax season, she's like, I was up all night doing taxes, we're commiserating together. She says, well, at least you applied for that earned income credit, right? I said, no, because every time I do it, you know what it tells me? You make too much money. So I don't even know who gets this thing. So it was a quick conversation, I go home, Holy Spirit says, Go fill out that worksheet. Now, notice this is how long ago I said worksheet. I didn't say TurboTax. There was no TurboTax 20 years ago. <laughs> Holy Spirit says, fill out the worksheet. I said, I don't want to because I know what's going to happen. He says, get your butt over there and fill out the worksheet. I said, okay. I filled it out the first time. And then I filled it out the second time. And then I filled it out a third time. And then I stood up and I went into the bedroom and I sat down with my bride who, if you want to understand how long ago this was, she is holding my second son who is sitting over at that camera right there. So that's how long ago that was. He is a baby in her arms. And with tears running down my face, I said, honey, can you please forgive me? And she says, for what? And I said, for my lack of trust and faith in our God. And I hand her the worksheet. And she goes, what's this? I said, you see that number at the bottom of the page? She goes, yeah. I said, that's our new tax return. Church, that new number was 10 times the amount of the check I wrote the week before. 
to the dollar. And we wept. I wept probably the most because from that day forward, the Lord said, see, test me and see if I won't pour out a blessing for you. God's first part of his formula is giving to release, to release ourselves to trust and to release ourselves into that test that the God says, the God of heaven and earth says, test me and see what I won't do. Scott, what's the second part? That's good, that's good. Um, yeah, I, you know, Pat, I was just here in giving, just reminding the journey of being a giver. Um, I think all of us have that story um, of releasing and, and testing and trusting God. It's a, it's a challenge, isn't it? Big time. Big time, yeah, and real. so, you know, as we look at um, you know, this formula, giving is that first one, and um, is it the most difficult? I don't know, sometimes it feels like it, right? Because it's that first release. But the second constant in God's formula for financial freedom is saving, savings, right? Um, and and, it's, and, I, and what I'm gonna describe it, and you'll have to stay with me on this, is saving for your health, okay? Saving for your health. And I'm not gonna be talking about an HSA, you know, health savings account, you know, I mean, though that could be a piece of it, just so you know, um, I don't sell insurance on the side, right? Um, <laughs> uh, but hopefully you'll get what I'm talking about. So as we look at savings in scripture and why it's part of financial freedom, uh, we see it really uh, makes an appearance in a big way with a, a man named Joseph, who was um, a prisoner, uh, Genesis, you know, chapter about 30 um, to about uh, 49. It talks about the Joseph story, but in Genesis uh, uh, 43, I believe it is, uh, Joseph is in prison uh, in Egypt. And Egypt's the power of the region at the time, and he has a gift from God, interpreting dreams. Well, Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, uh, has some troubling dreams and nobody can interpret it. Uh, but Joseph has a gift from God that he interprets that. And really what the, uh, uh, the story is, is he says there's gonna be a famine come, right? You're gonna, it's gonna have some years of plenty and then a famine's gonna hit. So right now it feels good, but trouble's coming. And so what jo Joseph instructed Pharaoh to do is, hey, um, save, save, and then you'll be ready for that famine and your empire will stand. And it's exactly what happened. Right? And so we see the insight of Joseph uh, really set the value from God of, of savings. And then I love this illustration in Proverbs chapter six. Um, uh, in Proverbs, uh, it gives us an illustration of an ant, you know, the insect, right? And it talks about its diligent work. How the ant, it says, watch the ant. Here's what the ant does. Without anybody telling it what to do, it works hard all summer long storing away, doing its job, um, so that when winter comes, it's ready. Saving, being diligent, working hard and saving. And then Proverbs also in uh, verse 13, in chapter 11, it talks about the wise. And what does the wise do? Uh, it, the wise builds uh, their wealth little by little by little. You know, I mean, putting it away, saving it, saving it. So we see through scripture this call to savings, 
Saving our money, putting it away, uh, is a powerful element uh, that leads to financial freedom and ultimately to our health, our health. And let me talk about the first of all is our emotional health. It relieves stress. Hebrews 13, five, it says, keep your lives free from the love of money. See, money has an emotional piece to it. Um, and that's not all bad, right? I mean, because of all the needs and kind of even once it meets, uh, our hearts are there, but we can actually fall in love with it, much like you talked about um, last week, is actually uh, become uh, an idol in our lives, right? And we crave it uh, and go into debt for it. So what we do is when we save, is we begin to live within our means, okay? Live within our means, and what that means is simply is you spend less than you earn. Is that formula? Spend less than you earn, and that sounds simple, doesn't it? Guess what most Americans don't do, right? They spend way more than they earn, and what happens is when you spend more than you earn, right, it takes away the margins in your life, okay? And, and an illustration of what a margin is, hopefully I have it here. I just created it last night. Uh, here's my great work. The beautiful Psalm 23, right? For the Lord is my shepherd, right? To give so much life. Such a powerful, powerful Psalm. And you're looking at it right now with margin. There's space between the words and on the edges, you know, the top and bottom margins, right? You can get everything that it has. Hopefully it's pleasant to look at. Now here's the exact same letters with no margin. <laughs> is that a little stressful? Is it, is it beautiful? Is it powerful? Well, after a long time it might be if you can decipher that. But this is how a lot of us live our financial lives, right? With no margin, no space, you know? And you look at margins and you're using a document, right? And if your word needs a few more letters to finish out with margin, guess what? It, it puts it there. It can handle the unexpected. That's what you didn't account for. Uh, but if there's no margin, there's no place for it. It just runs on, it gets messy, and it creates incredible stress. Uh, so what happens is when we save, we actually create margin. And so that's why it's important, little by little, to put away. Live within your means. Live within your means, and some, that's just simple math. Um, now it's hard because it violates, and I'm gonna put this in quotes, um, the American way of finances now which is tragic, which is debt, 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 right? Um, so emotional um, health, but also, and to, you know, to track with me in this, it gives us spiritual health. And really to understand this, this point and why I make it, you have to go back to the Old Testament and uh, under the law of what God commanded his people to do for giving, okay? And so they had three ties they gave. The first tithe, you basically kind of talked about it, you know, the New Testament version of it, but it's the Levitical tithe. And it was a 10% set aside that went to the temple, right, storehouse there, and it was used by the Levites who oversaw the temple um, and then the priest in the area. So for God's work. Um, so you gave first 10% to that. 
But then there's a second tithe, um, and it's called the feast tithe or the festival tithe. And that was 10% that you saved, you stored away. And what it did is it funded um, the mandatory um, festivals you had to go to. Um, every male, three times a year, had to go to Jerusalem. Wherever they lived, had to go to Jerusalem uh, and be part of these festivals. And that wasn't a bad thing. Like, you know, we say command is, okay, that must be bad. No, it's a good thing. It was basically, you have to go on vacation. You have to go on a spiritual vacation. And most would take their family up there. So they take this 10%, set it aside, and they would use that one of two ways. They would take that with them and they would consume it there or what they would do is they would um, sell it and use the money to go. A, a picture you all know, but you maybe not thought of it this way. When Jesus was 12 in Luke chapter two, what we see is his family went to Jerusalem. We see him 12, remember, he was lost. They lost him. He was in the temple court uh, sitting with the teachers of the laws, right, uh, answering and asking questions, and they were marveled at him. Guess how that family afforded to go there? The second tithe, right? They saved so they can go do this and have this spiritual experience, okay? And so what happens when we save, it affords us um, the opportunity to, and it could be simple vacation, which um, many of you know when you go on vacation, guess what? You get better. You're more pleasant to be around, right? right? I love it when our employees go on vacation because I like them a whole lot better when they get back, right? <laughs> right? Because um, it's just good for your soul. Um, but also, think in terms of this, because here's the heart of the Lord saying, set apart 10% to um, spiritually nurture you and your family. Imagine from a savings, you can afford that concert. You can afford that speaker that you just love that comes into town. You know, that book you want your family to read, right? That camp that your family's gonna go to. You know, that conference that you just know is gonna shape your family's faith. We get to go do that. Um, so this idea of savings also nurtures our health in a spiritual realm. And I want to end real briefly, give you some, some tid point, t uh, tidbits on how to save, okay? First thing, practically, um, store away. Um, you talked about 10% in the tithe, uh, save 10% in the habit. After you tithe to the Lord, save 10%, put it aside at least Okay, save that little by little, it says in Proverbs 13. Um, the next is um, spend differently. You know, when there's holes in the bucket, the best way is not to keep pouring more and more and more water in that. That's exhausting. You know what the easiest thing to do? Plug the holes. Plug the holes, right? It's a lot less work. Uh, and what happens is, so Psalm 21, 20 says this. It says, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling. Listen to this part. But a foolish man devours it. Your spending practices, uh, if you adjust that, uh, you will save. You'll spend less money so you can put more away. You know, Sandy and I um, have this practice. I want to give it to you. It's called picking up pennies. Okay, you know those little, you know what pennies are anymore? Right? How many pennies have you, we walked by? You know, oh, you just keep it. Who cares, right? So I'm not talk about being a miser, okay, hear me well here, okay, is um, picking up pennies is this, right? It's understanding that it has value. And one penny may not have a whole lot of value, but a whole lot of them has value. 
So when I go, maybe buy something. Say, nope, I don't want to spend my pennies on that. I'm not going to do that. Hey, there is actually a better deal. I don't, I, I'm going to work hard to get a better deal. Guess what? That penny, I'm picking it up. You know, not spending that, I'm picking it up. <laughs> Literally, it's on the ground, pick it up, and I do now, if you watch, I'll pick a penny up, and it has nothing to do with that penny, everything to do with my heart and understanding that I don't want to devalue money. I'm going to pick up pennies. So look for ways to pick up pennies. Uh, change your spending habits. And the last thing is take care of yourself, your stuff. The things that God entrusts you, be a steward with it, you know? Because if you take care of your stuff, guess what? It's going to last longer, and it's not going to cost you money, right? When you take care of your things, it's a way of saving money. And uh, I've got uh, Proverbs 27. I won't read it just for time's sake because I really want to hear what this brother has to say. But it talks about knowing your flock, understanding that, because if you know them, right, I mean, take care of them, then what happens, they're going to give to you um, later. So don't disregard that. And the same thing as this is take care of your things you have. When it lasts longer, you spend less, and it is savings. It's money in your pocket. So be a saver, because what it's going to do is going to bring you health, spiritually, emotionally, and not just in this moment, but the moment's coming that you don't even understand what they're going to look and feel like, but you'll be ready. Okay? And so I'm curious, Pat, um, that last constant in this formula. Well, I just, just thinking about your, your piece, you know, I think about, uh, you know, taking care of your stuff, being a good steward of it as well, yeah. right? I mean, just being a good steward of, you know, what's been entrusted to you. And then just in thinking about, like, saving in the New Testament and then in the new church, um, I think sometimes we get this picture of like all of them were homeless. Jesus was homeless and so they were all homeless. They gave everything away and then they had nothing and they were all just homeless all the time. But, but they gave. In Acts 2, they gave. In Acts 5, they gave because they had something to give. They continued to be called to save so that you could give, right? It was a part of their health, their health plan, right? God's health plan for them. So I like that, just I was thinking about that. So this uh, God's formula for financial freedom, not financial wealth, right? Financial freedom. Those are two different things that we're talking about here. So giving to release, saving for your health, and enjoying, enjoying, put a smile on your face, enjoying the good life. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. God created man in his own image. In his image, and his likeness, God made them. Male and female, he made them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. And then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to keep it. And God said, it was good. Made in the image of God. What does that mean for you and you and you and you and you online? What does that mean for you being made in the image of God? We are image bearers. We are representatives of God. We were made by God to continue the work of God. He did not complete it in the garden, Genesis 1, Genesis 2. He started something for us to Continue. He started a work and called us to work it 
and carry out his work, being good work, creative, productive, beneficial, advancement. He designed us for that. So when you think about God's work, don't just, don't only think about missions, church, discipleship. Don't just think about that. Think good, think work, think working your job, think advancement, think communities, development, friendship, family, relationship. Advancing, improving, embettering life. He put us to work. He said it was good. He blessed us and he set us forward to continue the work in and through the world. He called us to that. He made us for that. Enjoying life. All of life. The good life. One of my favorite books in the Bible is Ecclesiastes. I love it because it's very uh, contemplative. It's very reflective on life. And it's this test case. The author, he, he tests life. And he boils down the purpose of life a few different ways. He repeats it a few different ways. I'm gonna share one of them in Ecclesiastes 2. It'll be here up on your screen, Ecclesiastes 2. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil, in his work. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, God, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? At the end of the day, you should enjoy the work that you do. If you're picking up garbage, if that's what your job is, you should enjoy it. There's something in there that should be enjoyable, satisfactory. If you build spreadsheets for people, or you're a teacher, or you're a stay-at-home mom, or if you're a doctor, you should enjoy whatever it is that God has given you to do. There's something that he has put in you to enjoy to go about what he's called you to do. So, as you go about your work, work in a way that's consistent with the image of God. Do whatever your job is in a way that's consistent with the image of God. Don't go about your work in immoral ways or in compromising ways. Don't go about your work in caring too much about your work where it becomes idolatry and it's a second place thing and you make it a first place thing. That's not consistent with the image of God. Don't not care enough about your work where you're lazy and you have a hard time providing for others and you're bringing your team down because you're not carrying your weight. That's not consistent with the image of God. As you go about your work, go about it in an improving, advancing, beneficial, serving, creative, good steward of the job that God has given you. If you do that, you'll experience the good life. As God blesses your work and you, you reap rewards, say that fast, reap rewards. <laughs> that is, you get paid, use it. Use it, save it, spend it, give it in a way that is consistent with the image of God. As you do that, you will be true to yourself by God's design. And as you do it, you will be experiencing the good life. So as Scott was just kind of breaking down some of those percentages, it's not 
okay, God, I give you 10%. Okay, I save 10%. And then 80%, I can just fulfill my flesh and just whatever, you know, void of God. That's not it. It's all God's. Lord, what do you have to say? What is wisdom? What is right? What is true? What is pure? What have you said? What are you calling me to? As you do that, you will be experiencing the good life. And lastly, as God affords you the opportunity to partner with him, and he has, and he will, as you do to the least of these you've done unto me, Matthew 25, and as you do good and be rich in good works, then you will be taking hold of the life that is truly life. And you're ready to share 1 Timothy 6, then you will be living the good life. And you'll find freedom in that. As you enjoy what God has given you to enjoy, you'll be living the good life and you will find yourself free in a way God has intended you to be free with finances. So as you go about your life, as you're reflecting God here and there, carrying out his continued work in and through this world, doing it in a way that reflects him, true to your design as an image bearer, and you'll enjoy the good life. So, God's formula for financial freedom, giving to release, saving for your health, saving for your health, and enjoying the good life. Put a smile on your face. It's how he's made you. Good word. You got to get tough. The joy, I don't know if you got the good part of the message or not. I did, I got the best part. (laughs) But luckily the whole package leads to what? Financial freedom. That's what God wants. Don't forget that. You know, we're going to close this out, um, this whole series really, you know, um, as you can imagine, uh, I get lots of questions around this, especially when we do a series on this. So I've asked the guys, uh, grab a question here all the time and quick answer. So we're gonna rapid fire answer to three questions. I'm hoping maybe it's a question either you've asked yourself or you've been asked. Uh, the first question I probably get most often is, can I tie to any Christian work or does it have to be the church? Okay, it's a complex answer, you know. Um, Well, kind of. So go back to the heart of God and what he established. I mentioned the tithes under the law, right? And so uh, 10% went to the storehouse, which is the temple, uh, the local spiritual gathering for the spiritual work. The whole family kind of uh, uh, brought their tithe there for the work that they had. And now you go to the New Testament, right? And you go through Jesus in a Jesus, uh, Jewish culture. Of course, he's talking about the same tithe there. And they went to the cross and basically satisfied the requirements of the law. And now we're in, a, I would say, a different phase that is that we are called to be generous, right? And give from love and cheerfully. Now the tithe, like all aspects of the law, becomes a reference point. Do we see the word tithe used outside the law, in the law? Um, I'm not going to make tithe the law. It's a great word, and I like it, right? Because it helps us to say, okay, I get, I understand tithe means 10%. Got it. So start there. So 10% um, in the Old Testament, Old Covenant, went to the storehouse. In the New Testament, when they gathered together, they brought it to the church. Even when they were going to give gifts to other Christians, it always went to the church, to the gathering. They brought it there and then dealt with it. So it's my firm belief that you have to know where your place of worship is. 
right? And where your place of worship is, that is where your tithe goes. But remember this, in that Old Testament uh, teaching in Jesus' law, there are three tithes. There's that uh, festival tithe, another 10%. Well, that went into your own personal storehouse, I'll call it, that you stored away for your use. Um, and there was a third tithe that every third year you would tithe and set it aside. There's actually farming practices that you would leave the edges of your, your field open. You would not shake the olive tree twice to get the olives and harvest. You would save it for the poor. So what happens is you see Christians were generous. So yes, they took seriously and were committed to their local church, and it started there. So the answer is yes. Um, uh, that um, you can give to other places, but it has to start in your local place of worship. And then be generous, right? Be generous in your own spiritual journey. Be generous to those in need around you. That is the Christian way. So that's my question. Uh, Damien, you believe me? I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> I do. Here's a question that I've heard multiple, multiple times. What is God really after? The gross or the net. I think in today's terms is taxable income or is it, here's what God's after. He's after your heart. Remember, God ain't broke. He doesn't need your money, okay? He's good because he's the one that gives it. But in 2 Corinthians, when Paul is just, it's a, it's a beautiful moment in chapter nine when he's talking about this gift that's being put together but he's talking more about the heart that's behind it. And he, and he says, listen, you know, so you, 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 as you sow, so you will reap. But understand that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. So in other words, what the Lord isn't wanting to do is, uh, here comes, you know, they're talking about money again. Here comes that bag down the row. Uh, how much I got in my pocket? Here. Yeah, the Lord's not looking for that. He's probably sitting there going, really? Come on. Come on. I'm a good God. And if you stop and consider the goodness of God, we just got done singing about it. Your goodness is running after me. It's running after me. He desires for us to, to love and to give in that same way, with that same heart. So is it about the gross? Is it about the net? It's about your heart. And if you're going to give cheerfully, something tells me you already have that part figured out. And I'm excited for you and the journey with you and the Lord where it won't even be about gross and net anymore. It's going to be about God is just good. God is just good. And I want to give like God gives. Pat, you got a, you got a question that you hear? Yeah, a, a question that I've had asked and processed with several believers over years is just a real practical one of, should I wait to give until I'm in a better financial position? So, okay, I hear what you're saying. Okay, since the Lord's, you know, okay, I see it, I read it, you know, okay, I see what's, you know, clear, but here's where I am, right? And I, the, you know, math isn't adding up, and so should I just wait? But, you know, in this time or this time, then I'll be able to, should I just wait? And, uh, and I would say no, I would say no. I, and I would say this, I'd say, what does the Lord say? You know, uh, what would he have you do? Um, 
I, th I think that's a great idea. Should I wait? Because then I'll be in a better position. But I think about it in terms of flesh and spirit. You know, so if you can do it in your own power, your strength, you clean yourself up, you know, and then you come to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready for you. Now you can have all of me. That, that's not how God works ever. Why would it be any different financially? And he speaks so much about finances because the heart is so significant and he knows our propensity. He knows our weaknesses towards money. So he says, trust me, right? Follow me. Ask me to do what only I can do. So I would say, brother, sister, you want him in your corner. Don't try and do what he's called you to do without him. Follow him. Stuff. Yeah, thank you guys. And I uh, thank all of you. I mean, you know, you often hear, boy, uh, you know, church always talks about money. And that's our heart is to talk about what God talks about, right? Let me yeah. say this too. I, I think this is important. If you go to another church, so this isn't about North Shore. This is Christian, be a Christian. So if you go to another church, go be a Christian and faithfully give to that church. If God has you move on at any point, be faithful to wherever you are, to his place, to his people, in and through that. It's not about here. It's, it's bigger. So. Well, yeah, it's being a Christ follower, right? Yeah. And, th and that's what we want. And, um, um, you know, and hopefully you're starting to understand when scripture talks about it, we'll talk about it. No skipping verses, right? Um, Right? And he talks a lot about money because, as we've said, it, it's not about the money, it's about the heart. He loves us dearly. Um, and there's a privilege we get. So let's take the uh, positive. We get to come together as a family and go all in and bring this gospel message uh, to our area, you know, to our families, to our neighbors, to our community, to our country, to our world. Uh, it's a privilege. And so I leave with this, and I'm gonna invite the worship team to come out. We're gonna, uh, one last song, but I take you to Joshua 24, 15, and you're gonna know it. If not, you've seen the signs in every Christian bookstore you've ever gone to. As for me and my house, what? We'll serve the Lord, right? And that's really the message I wanna end with all of us. For me, for you guys, for us, is let's choose this day to serve the Lord. You know, and I love uh, what they both said. I love what Pat said, and the thing is, don't wait, right? Because what is probably keeping you from there is you haven't put God first, right? And so if you're gonna postpone that, you're never probably gonna get there, because guess what, my friend? It's a heart issue. It's not a money issue. So you gotta get the heart right. Put God first. Put him to the test, right? Put him to the test, um, because he loves you. That is not some sort of strong man threat. It's a promise from a father that loves you and sees your tears and your anxieties over this. He says, I want to free you. Um, and then what happens is you'll be free. And again, when we're free, we've all been that in different arenas of our life. Uh, it's amazing what we get to do in that freedom. And all that we discover in that is ourselves, who we are, and God has that. And I don't think there's a better weekend to talk about freedom than this weekend, right? Because all of our eyes are understanding freedom, the price of it, the cost of it, but the rewards of it. So uh, I'm gonna ask Josh to lead us in song and we're gonna get out of here. Love you, North Short. God bless you.